Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Hill 70 Quantock Ranch, where the horse to ride for your next bull purchase. 6th of February of 2021. Agriculture is Saskatchewan. And 620 CKRM is your source for everything ag. Welcome to our newly expanded Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Here's your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. It's brought to you by Assiniboia Livestock for the most reliable and dependable way to market your livestock. Today we highlight the top 10 weather events of 2020 in Canada, including a couple that were close to home. Olds College looks at high-tech farm work. Real Agriculture looks at what may be in tomorrow's clean fuel standard regulations from the federal government. Several farm groups held a news conference this morning to push provincial governments to support agri-stability improvements. CP Rail reaches a new contract with 360 unionized workers and a feature interview on helping young people get interested in an agriculture career. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by JGL Commodities, proudly serving Saskatchewan agribusinesses for over 40 years. Looking to market your grain? Call JGL Commodities today, 306-624-2378. Canada's senior climatologist David Phillips says COVID-19 and its aftermath is the top news story of 2020 as he unveiled the top 10 weather events of the year. Phillips says the coronavirus is the largest public health crisis in over a century. And he says there is real hope the threat will come to an end with the vaccine. But he says extreme weather remained a destructive event this year and cost the Canadian economy billions. He says it was the 24th year in a row of warming trends. He says there were 93 significant events in Canada in 2020, weather-wise, and determining the top 10 was an effort. He says the August long weekend was the 10th biggest weather event in Canada. The 187 thunderstorm bulletins were issued by Environment and Climate Change Canada that weekend. On the Sunday and the Monday, a series of robust storms in Alberta moved into Saskatchewan. It dropped uh, tennis ball size hail, flash flooding uh, floods, strong winds. And um, in Alberta alone, it cost $55 million of insurance uh, uh, losses. The number nine story this year is the fall season in Canada. It was winter in the West and, and, and summer in the East. What a, what a huge country we have. And across the prairies at the beginning of November, people were enjoying kind of a, a summer interlude of warm weather. Well, it came to a, a dramatic halt with an American storm that came northward. Um, it, it closed down southern Alberta to Saskatchewan, Manitoba with snow, rain and, and, and freezing temperatures ushered in some very cold temperatures of minus 22 wind chills in, in parts of, um, of Alberta. Uh, in Saskatoon, it snowed for 50 hours and much of it blowing and, and drifting snow in a province that doesn't see a lot of snow. They had two meter drifts in places. I mean, clearly, 
um, uh, travel was impossible in the West at that time. Phillips says the cold spring was the eighth biggest weather event in 2020 and made it easier for Canadians to self-isolate. There were 77 tornadoes documented in Canada this year. The most intense was in Manitoba on August 7th, just south of Verdun, with winds over 265 kilometers an hour. The tornado is number seven. Hurricanes in Atlantic Canada was number six, with heavy snow in St. John's, Newfoundland as number five. The endless hot summer in eastern Canada is number four. Flood in Fort McMurray, number three. And number two is BC's September skies. All smoke, but no fire. He says it was a quiet forest fire season, but there was smoke from the U.S. eastern seaboard coming north. The top weather event, heavy hail in Calgary on June 13th. I mean, they have had million-dollar, multi-million-dollar hailers in the past. They've had billion-dollar floods. They've had summer snows, and they've had winter wildfires. Um, they have had incredible kinds of, and that's just a weather report for Calgary. Well, they can add to their list this year the the, the, the weather superlative of the most expensive hailstorm in Canadian history. Uh, they had on uh, on June the 13th uh, uh, a minute-long hailstorm uh, dropped um, uh, tennis ball, baseball-sized hail propelled by 70-kilometer-per-hour winds that absolutely denuded trees, took out every window in the northeastern uh, neighborhoods of, um, of Calgary. Um, it would cost insurers over $1.3 billion. And as I said earlier, this only represents a fraction of the true cost. This is the most fourth, the fourth most expensive uh, insured natural disaster in Canadian history. And quite worrisome that six of these the top 10 stories have occurred um, in uh, expensive storms have occurred in, in Alberta. And, and this one was absolutely uh, destroyed so much property. You had the next day hail drift still, uh, you know, 10 centimeters deep in the, in the streets of, um, of Calgary. And every, every flower bed was flattened. There was backyard gardens that were turned into coleslaw from these um, tennis ball, baseball size uh, uh, hail. David Phillips is the senior climatologist for Environment Canada. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. This portion is brought to you by Selford Group. Call your Selford equipment dealer or visit selfordgroup.com. Olds College in central Alberta is a leading location for the testing of new digital agriculture technologies. It's home to the Smart Farm with 2,800 acres of land that also include cattle and sheep. Joy Agnew is the Associate Vice President of Applied Research at Olds College. We have infrastructure, obviously, for innovation, validation, demonstration, and scaling. Because although we are operating as a commercial farm, we are there for the teaching and learning and applied research opportunities. So we can deploy technologies and practices in our fields that commercial farmers might not be able to because of the risk associated with it. There is a big emphasis on connectivity at the Smart Farm. There are numerous sensors available. And the usability and the value of the data from these is still a little bit uncertain. So we have developed sensor clusters across our farm and are evaluating the same sensors in a cluster, basically, so side by side with other sensors to look at connectivity, robustness, quality of the data, applicability of the technology for Western Canada, uh, and the required density of sensors for management decisions. How many soil sensors do you need in a field in order to make good management decisions based on that information. 
There is no shortage of available data to collect, but Agnew says it's also important to convert that data into something useful. We hear a lot from innovators and tech developers that, you know, they're coming to the table with a solution to something. And it's usually a solution to a problem they don't really fully understand. Um, and that's always the, the first stage in developing a really good solution is really fully understanding the problem within the agricultural context. And that's what we're helping innovators with is really understanding what the problem is before fine tuning or developing a tool. There is another challenge for ag technology innovators. There's a limited access to expertise in the innovation ecosystem to help innovators get their idea from a napkin to a commercial product without going to multiple places and multiple countries to find the resources and expertise they need. There needs to be a more concentrated or locally or regionally available expertise and resources to get that idea from an initial concept to, to something that's deployable in the field. Agnew outlined several potential areas of development over the next five to ten years. Mapping and analytics of yield and quality of crop. So rather than just mapping yield and maybe moisture content, also getting the full suite of grain quality information in real time and geo-referenced with, with locations. Robot agronomists, there's been a lot of chatter and, and discussion around that and whether that's a, a reality or not, we'll see. Autonomous swarms of microbots that kill weeds without herbicide is, is probably a little bit further than 10 years out. But these are things that some early stage innovators are thinking about and doing some concept work right now. Real time and, and continuous sensing of soil constituents. Basically, this means that mapping, prescription mapping for variable rate uh, fertilizer application might not even be required. You might be able to do it in real time in the field as you are seeding. And obviously, going from automated guidance and, and auto steer through smarter guidance all the way to autonomous operation with autonomous tractors and equipment out in the field. Agnew has these final comments. We've leveraged our industry and producer advisory groups to kind of point us in the right direction. We are building a base of, of expertise, um, including PhDs and, and other scientists and subject matter experts related to precision ag and digital ag, agronomy and mechanical systems, electrical systems and entrepreneurship as well. This was the first year of research on the Smart Farm. You can find additional information on the Olds College website. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamp's Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update brought to you by the Canola School. Get canola agronomic information when you need it on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Our library of timely agronomic information is free and available at canolaschool.com. Sean Haney here with realagriculture.com and Real Ag Radio on Rural Radio 147 on Sirius XM. It is a big week this week for details to come out Friday on the clean fuel standard as it will hit the Canada Gazette. Here to give the biofuel producer perspective is Andrea Kent. She's a spokesperson for RI Canada. Andrea, how are you? Really, really great. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, hey, thanks for being here. Okay, so let's get to it here. Uh, we, we talked back uh, a couple months ago about you know the opportunity for the CFS. How, how do you see it right now representing biofuel producers across the country? How do you see it right now from an ethanol perspective? 
I have to admit, I think there's optimism. And, and I know when we talked in the summer, uh, you know, we, we were looking at, at that point, you know, making sure some of the criteria, especially as it pertains to how farmers um, are contributing to biofuels production, how the sustainability of Canada's farming sector is being measured, and what that would ultimately end up looking like and, and how it would end up being reflected in the clean fuel standard. Um, and then, you know, so far, um, I have to say that what we have been hearing from the government and what we expect to see in uh, the draft regulation, hopefully later this week, looks looks like they've been listening. Looks like the feedback that we gave the government um, was taken to heart and, you know, rolling up our sleeves and staying at the table has resulted in, in some, you know, I think some important and needed um, corrections along the way. So what we'll be looking for Certainly, um, and what we expect to see um, is that the CFS will uh, require an increase in renewable fuels because it will require decreases in the carbon intensity of the fuels that are used in transportation. So gasoline in particular should see more and more ethanol being blended into it um, so that the carbon can come out of the fuels and the, you know, the resulting GHGs will go down, the resulting air pollution will go down, um, and the opportunities for even more domestic production for biofuels will go up. Do, do you see there actually being like a, a stated mandate? We saw Ontario was talking about E15 uh, going back a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. Do, do you see a, a statement in, in this legislation that would say, hey, we're going E15 across the country or will we, we not get there? We'll get there, but governments, you know, governments have the same kind of problem that they're trying to tackle, but they will go about it in, in slightly different ways. And I think that, you know, part of, you know, the challenge is making sure that each, you know, whether it's, it's a province or in this case, we're talking about the federal government, we play a part so that they can reach those climate goals, but make sure that they're doing it um, in a way that is uh, reflective of what the Canadian industry is, is up for and the potential that we have to make sure that the economic benefits happen here in Canada, while at the same time, you know, delivering the reductions in admissions and, and the climate targets that really, I mean, so many governments are, are looking at now. You mentioned Ontario. Quebec is another jurisdiction that's seriously looking at blending requirements for renewable content and fuels. And, and of course, we're talking here about the federal one. I mean, the central critical issue is transportation, right? That's what governments have to, to grapple with. How are we going to reduce GHGs from transportation if they're going to have any hope of success in reducing GHGs? And, uh, you know, whether it is a volume uh, blending requirement, like what Ontario announced, really exciting in Ontario with uh, E15, so 15% blending of ethanol and gasoline, and some environmental criteria that sets out how much better uh, the fuel has to be in reducing GHGs. Um, so that's certainly one way of doing it. These clean fuel standards already exist in British Columbia, uh, California, Canada, obviously. Um, other states in the U.S. are looking at them. I know Washington, Nevada, and some others are looking at bringing in clean fuel standards. How they come at it is rather than just looking at volume, uh, they look at requiring the decrease in the carbon intensity or the, the decrease in um, you know the carbon used in the fuel. 
This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. Hey everybody, it's Ted Creech here from Hill 70 Quantock Ranch of Lloydminster, Alberta. On the 6th of February of 2021, I'd like to invite everybody to our 51st annual Barn Burner Bull Sale starting at 12 noon. Now we'll sell approximately 400 bulls consisting of Red and Black Angus, Horn and Pulled Herefords, Red and Black Sim Angus, Charlay and Red Balancer Bulls, plus 100 bred and open commercial females to round out the day. Now don't be afraid to get in touch with us. Either call myself, Connor or Bill at 1-800-665-7253. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. Increasing cloudiness today, wind southeast 30, the high zero, the low minus 15 tonight, wind chill minus 26 overnight. Friday, partly cloudy, wind northwest 30, becoming light near noon. The high tomorrow, minus 13, wind chill minus 26 in the morning, minus 19 in the afternoon. The low, minus 12. Saturday, cloudy, 60% chance of flurries. Windy, the high plus 1, the low, minus 10. Sunday, partly cloudy, the high plus 3. Windy, the low, minus 5. Monday, sunny, the high minus 1, the low, minus 12. Tuesday, partly cloudy, the high minus 12, the low minus 20. Wednesday, partly cloudy, the high minus 14. Normal high is minus 9, the normal low minus 21. The sun rose at 8.54 this morning. It sets at 4.55 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot plus 5 in Maple Creek. The cold spot minus 27 degrees up north at Uranium City. Estevan is minus 3, Saskatoon minus 7, Swift Current 0. Weyburn minus 6, Yorkton minus 9. Regina cloudy and minus 5, that's 23 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the southeast at 29. Humidity is 83%, the barometer dropping 100.4. Cloudy and Moose Jaw plus 1, winds are from the south at 30, gusting to 44. Once again, Regina cloudy and minus 5, that's 23 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougall Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougall Auctioneers. McDougallAuctions.com And brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems expect the best. More pressure is being applied on provincial governments to fund proposed changes to agri-stability. A wide range of farm organizations from all commodities held a Zoom conference this morning, urging provinces to fund the changes on the 60-40 basis. The proposal includes increasing the compensation rate under agri-stability from the current 70% up to 80%, and the reference margin limit would be removed. The Prairie Provinces, including Saskatchewan, have been hesitant to go with the usual 60-40 split. Their original proposal this past spring had been 90-10. Mary Robinson is the president of the Canadian Federation of Agriculture. She's urging the provinces to make the commitment. I think it's uh, incredibly important that we have agri-stability that's able to respond appropriately when we see these huge declines. And uh, it's important to note that government is not being asked to put money directly on the table, but to create confidence and ensure we have a financial backstop. The livestock sector has had a difficult 2020, with pork producers looking at 140% decline in income compared to last year. But it's not quite so bad in the cattle sector. 
But the president of the Canadian Cattlemen's Association, Bob Lowe, is concerned about the future. The agriculture population is for the people actually on the farms are getting fewer and fewer and they're getting older and older. And a big reason for that in my mind is because young people just don't have the confidence that the industry can be sustainable over time. And a little bit of strategic investment can increase that confidence. We want to get our money out of the markets, but if all the farmers go broke, then there's, there's I guess you save some money in government, but what does that do to your safe and secure food supply? The farm groups hope the Prairie Provincial Governments will make a decision on the federal proposal by the end of the month. CP Rail has announced a tentative five-year contract with the union representing 360 signal maintainers. CEO Keith Creel says the deal is the result of hard work and good faith negotiating between the railway and the union. The members still have to ratify the tentative agreement, details of which have not been released. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source, 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Diggleman Industries. Look to Diggleman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered, tough equipment on the market. And the REMAX Crown Realty Ag Team of Marcel DeCorby and Graham Toth, online at landforsalesask.ca. The Next Generation Foundation is geared towards helping young people get involved in agriculture. Spokesman Holly Bilton says normally they head out to schools to spend time chatting with kids in classrooms to find out where their interests might lay and what they feel they're good at. And then they offer ideas on what career direction they may want to head in. This year, because of the pandemic, they've been doing things virtually. But she says it has allowed them to bring in experts from around the world. Bilton talks with reporter Cheryl Brooks. So there are some disadvantages for sure about being online, but there are some amazing advantages about being able to reach a number of students wherever they're at and give them the information that they need to be successful in their career path. And how are the people involved in agriculture already? Are they receptive to talking to the kids? Absolutely. Yeah, I, we've only done a small pilot this last summer because, of course, things changed a little for us. Our major pilot will be going into this year, so we expect to have a number more opportunities for students and more students in those positions. Uh, that said, the first few that we spoke to instantly took advantage of the opportunity and hired students last summer and had them working in their, you know, in their farms, in their businesses, and just gave them the opportunity to test drive those career paths. From all the years that you've, you've worked with careers, have you had people get back to you saying, oh my God, I didn't realize there were all these different things to do in agriculture, and here's what I found, and here's what I'm doing now with, with my life? Yes. As, you know, now, of course, agriculture is new, so I haven't had a lot of students call me back yet and say this has you know, been an eye-opening moment for me. However, I have in many of the other areas that we work in. So, I mean, I remember the first one in healthcare that I was able to place the student in a position of recreational therapy type position. And uh, I got a phone call five years later to say, hey, change my name to doctor. I have a doctor in front oh. of my name, right? So he still had a residency and all those things to go through, but it was exciting to see that he had chosen that career path. He had moved on and figured out where he wanted to be. So, And many in the trades and such like that with students that have told me that they now have their power lineman trade or the, you know their welding trade or their electrician trade. So, And some, we actually have a number that, that are taking students for us now. So that's always exciting. They said, I was a RAP student or I, you know, I was in your programs when I was younger and now I want to take a student of my own. How rewarding is that for you in particular? 
it's amazing to be honest when you get those calls and you know you've changed somebody's life for the better that way it's uh, it's absolutely amazing and I think you know many of the students would get to exactly where they want to go they're great kids and as you get to know them you realize how capable they really are uh, but there's also some that are really struggling when they're in high school maybe grade 10 or 11 and they don't know what path they want to go on and you give them an opening into a future that they all of a sudden grasp their grades go up, their desire to engage in their own education goes up, they graduate high school, uh, and they continue on to have really rewarding career paths and be great citizens for our communities. So I think that's that's huge. Now, do you kind of figure out what they might like, or do they give you ideas? How does that work? Uh, you know, we get to work with some amazing off-campus coordinators and career practitioners in our schools across the province. So I, I don't want to, you know, take anything away from the work that's being done in our schools. We are fortunate enough to be able to come alongside those people and help, but we have amazing people in our schools working with kids, talking to them about what types of things they like, what are they good at. You know, they they work with programs on computers and do various little tests and things to figure out what is it that they like, what is it that they don't like, what skills might they have, what skills might they want to improve, and then they start to try to narrow down some of the options they might look at. We know that very few people stay in one career path and one occupation their whole life anymore. That's just not the way things go. But you still have to find a starting point. So it's, you know, it's helping those students find that starting point and then launching them on that journey. And I think we get to do that in conjunction with the schools that are doing such great work. Awesome. Okay, so if a person wants to know more about careers, should they reach out to you in particular? For the agriculture program, for sure, they're more than welcome to reach out to me. My email address is hbilton at nextgen.org. I also really recommend going to our website and taking a look around there. It's careersnextgen.ca. That's Holly Bilton with Careers, the Next Generation Foundation. If you're interested in learning more about the group in general or specifically the area focused on careers in agriculture, send Holly a note at hbilton at nextgen.org. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source, 620 CKRM. Market Update is brought to you by Scott Bjornson of Hollis Wealth. For more information or to book a free consultation, call 1-800-284-9999. Viterra prices were moving up in early trading this morning. Canola gained 470 at 557.17. Number one red spring wheat went up 96 cents at 237.02. The rest were unchanged. Durham, 297.62. Feed barley, 209.70. Flax, 693.37. Lentils, 557.50. Oats, 211.53. Yellow peas, 328.89. And feed wheat, 183.72. On the Minneapolis Grain Exchange this morning, March red spring wheat rose 2 cents at 5.60 and 3 quarter cents a bushel. It's the Livestock Reports on the Source 620 CKRM. The Livestock Quotes brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn, 842-4574. Now, the latest quotes. Good afternoon. This is the Yorkton Heartland Livestock Market Report for the week of December 16th. A decent-sized run here for this time of the year, 790 head in the sort, 285,000 bulls, a total of 1,075 for the day. Cows and bulls selling a bit stronger this week. Listen up. D1, D2 cows, 70 to 75. Sales to 77, 78 on these big, strong, high-yielding kind of cows. D3 cows, 58 to 68. Cows are averaging 67.50. Good bulls, 86 to 96. Sales to 101, 102. 
the bulls are averaging 89 cents. On to the pre-sort sale. Some highlights on the steer side. 425 pound steers, 252. 500 pound steers, 236. 560 pound tan steers, 216. 640 pound steers, 199. My favorite pen, 710 pound tan steers, 193. 780 pound red black exotic steers, 183. 850 pound steers, 179. On to the heifer side. 500 pound heifers, 198. 550s, 185. 650 pound heifers, 178. 710 pound heifers, 165. That was our last sale of the year. Our next sale will be on Wednesday, January the 6th. That will be a pre-sort sale. 1,800 head listed already for that sale. Our next bred cow sale will be Friday, January the 15th. One complete herd dispersal listed for that sale. That's it for this week at Heartland Yorkton. I'll talk to you next week. I'm Harvey Exner. Have a good day. Now the latest pork prices. Ham sold 7,100 hogs Wednesday, selling in a range of 152 to 162 per CKG. Today's sales are expected to be around 7,200 head, selling in a range of 151 to 161 per CKG. Ham's number one sows this week are selling in the range of 34 to 40 cents per pound live weight. Ham's cash hog price today is mixed, and four contract prices open mixed this morning. On Wednesday, the Canadian dollar is down 19 basis points, with the daily exchange rate at 1.2753. The Canadian dollar is currently trading at 78.79 cents U.S., while cash markets remain at or near the upper levels for this marketing week, the trend is nonetheless moving lower. There is talk that some of the plants will be operating on a reduced schedule next week, even more so than typical during a short production week, that could limit the extent to which production for live animals develops during the week of Christmas. The daily net value of the carcass is within $0.30 cents US 100 weight of the five-year average for this marketing week at $74.86 against a low of $70.43 and a high of $79.86 100 weight. If meat buyers are not climbing for pork, and there are ideas they are not, the cutout has no rationale to move much beyond current levels. This morning's export sales report would likely have been considered supportive, but the concern surrounding domestic demand is keeping the upside in check. Physical deliveries remain very good at approximately 42,000 metric tons, which is the second consecutive week for that volume, and the highest going back to the end of May. Coming up, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report. Saskatchewan's wholesale trade in October jumped 6.7% over the previous month, the highest increase among the provinces. The value of wholesale trade in October reached almost $2.4 billion in Saskatchewan. Trade and Export Development Minister Jeremy Harrison says the big gains show the resiliency of the province's economy during the global pandemic and a positive sign heading into the new year. Stats can wholesale trade figures show October saw year-over-year wholesale trade in this province rise by 13.5%, the second best in Canada. The national number was up 5.2% over the year. Wholesale trade growth was in food and beverage products, machinery and equipment, and miscellaneous products. Farm products also saw a 14.7% increase year-over-year. Federated Co-ops is reporting revenues of $7.9 billion and earnings of $177 million despite a challenging year. Federated Co-ops says it returned $118 million to local co-ops across Western Canada. The Saskatoon-based FCL says there were strong results in the food, home and building and agriculture business lines. However, these were not nearly enough to offset substantial declines in the energy sector. FCL says... 
2020 saw significant reduced fuel demand, creating one of the most difficult financial years in recent history. On the market, strength in the technology and metals and mining sectors helped lift Canada's main stock index as U.S. stock markets also rallied in late morning trading. The TSX Composite Index was up 71 points at 17,639. In New York, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was up 121 points at 30,275. The Canadian dollar traded at 78.64 cents U.S. compared with 78.41 cents Wednesday. The February crude oil contract was up 38 cents at 48.38 per barrel. That's the Resource Report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Hill 70 Quantuck Ranch, the place to be for your next bull purchase. Mark the right date, February 6, 2021. Call 1-800-665-7253 anytime, any day. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, now starting after the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. 620 CKRM. Hill 70 Quantock Ranch, where quality comes in quantity on the 6th of February of 2021. Be welcome to join us for our annual bull sale.